am Mary Kennedy. And I'm Sue Merlino. And you're listening to Menopod. Hi, Sue. Hey, Mary. How are you? I am good. I am excited to be here with you. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I have kind of changed my eating, right? I'm eating six small meals a day. And guess what? My hot flashes have gotten better. Wow. So I don't know. What is it? I don't know. I eat 25 meals a day, but (laughs) (laughs) are you still having hot flashes? You know, I never, I never really had hot flashes. I had panic attacks and like, just like 30 second ones. And I would only get really, really hot when sleeping. And that's kind of still going on, but not as frequent. Well, I kind of, and listen, we are not doctors, although I'm dying to play one on television, but here's the deal. Um, ladies, I want to tell you something, and this is not, if naproxen would like to leave, would like to be our sponsor, we will take you. Um, but I noticed Sue, I had a headache and I took an leave and I got flushing. I got, I got hot on my chest and behind my neck. And they said that that can be a side effect of naproxen sodium. So ladies make sure that you know what you're taking. And that was, you know, I don't take a lot of leave and I was shocked that I had hot flashes. Wow. And so, I don't know everything that you have. I don't know if you've recognized this or have come across it, but anytime I have anything, the very last thing on the list is, or menopause. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they just lump everything together, you know, it's just easy to blame it on menopause. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) So if you have a headache and you take naproxen sodium, it could cause to have a hot flash because of menopause. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor. Well, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll do more research. Um, so everybody, I'm so excited to have in our virtual studio, uh, a friend of mine who I came up with in comedy, uh, who actually, I'm so just glad to see her. We haven't seen each other in a long time. She's a fan favorite of NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, really popular show. Uh, I know Sue's a big fan. I am too. Helen Hong is here, everybody. And isn't this exciting? And she's known <laughs> for roles on Silicon Valley, Never Have I Ever, and The Unicorn. And... And, and, and she has uh, a family YouTube channel that she does old Korean dad stories and hosts the trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, everybody. So again, Helen Hong, I'm so glad you're here. Yay, Mary, thank you so much. It's so great to see you. I have not seen you even, I think even a year or two before the before times, like, Right. It's been, it's been like three or four years. I haven't seen you. Um, even like since the pandemic, I haven't really seen anybody, but <laughs> yeah, yeah no, <laughs> but we, I haven't seen you even before that. So it's very nice to see you. And thanks for inviting me on. Of course. No, you know, listen at this point, you know, I don't feel like it's been that long because we're all on the socials as yeah. my, as my teenagers call it the socials. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I, ha- I see, I've seen people, um, and in some cases, people who are doing far too much airbrushing, which I have to, I wish there was an airbrushing hotline that I could say, really, you all need to stop it. Um, but I feel like you're doing some great stuff. And uh, today, I, I, I think the world kind of knows, but you're an aunt mom. Can you explain what yeah. an aunt mom is? I am. Well, uh, so here's the, the quick and dirty version. My sister is my sister slash roommate. Uh, is a single mother by choice. Mm. And because I live with this bitch, 
that that makes me a single mother by no choice <laughs> oh wow yeah so um my sister and i bought a house together in la uh like in the middle of the pandemic like during quarantine when everybody was freaked out nobody was leaving their houses and like nobody was buying houses the interest rates plummeted we bought at the best possible time to be honest oh, because nice. like everybody was like freaked out and didn't know what was going on. And so the market had kind of stopped, like movement in the market had stopped. And we were going to tour houses, like wearing all the PPE. Like we were wearing gloves. <laughs> Remember when we were like, we were double masked and we wore the face shield and we had gloves. And then the realtors would make us wear booties uh -huh. on our shoes to go into the houses. I mean, we were like hazmat suited to go look at houses. Wow. Um, but we found a, uh, a really cute house with a great yard in South LA and we bought a house and my sister originally was gonna buy it. My sister lived in the Bay Area at the time and she was just gonna go in as an, as an investment. So I was gonna live in the house and get a roommate on my own and sort of take care of the house. And she was gonna put in half the money um, just as an investment property, cut to like, we buy the house and she gets pregnant immediately. And she's thinking, I'm a single mother by choice. I can do this myself. <sighs> like she's, asleep. she's asleep like the entire first trimester. She cannot stay awake. She's like, I, dude, you need help. Like you are not going to survive this pregnancy like alone because you literally cannot stay awake and like you're not going to feed yourself, you know? So she moved in to the house that she was going to rent out. Um, and uh, I totally saved her life and her baby's life and, and and you know and i i you know i i deserve aunt of the year every year for the rest of my goddamn life <laughs> so now we're raising a baby together the baby's now nine months old and oh. it's been such a, a weird and wild journey because i am not someone who's ever want to have kids i you know i think this is sort of a little bit common amongst female comedians for some mm -hmm. reason mary right you yeah. say right we know a lot of female comedians that are mothers, but we know just as many that aren't mothers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, some that shouldn't be. Exactly. Oh, a lot that shouldn't be. Sure. <laughs> well, that's the general population. But I'm not in that category. <laughs> I'm I, I'm a mother that should be right. Everybody in suits you. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I just never wanted to have kids. I never really wanted to have family. I was always career first. Career first. That was always my my priority, and. Um, and I still don't want to have kids. To be right. <laughs> this has been kind of a cool way to experience motherhood without fully experiencing motherhood. Like I've never pushed anything out of my hoo-ha. Right. Um, you know, other than the normal everyday things that one pushes out of one who's one's hoo-ha. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's so I've kind of fallen in love with this baby, even though I was never really a kid person and never really into kids and never wanted to be a mom. Um, but this kid is so cute and um, I love my sister and, you know, I just sort of started being, uh, being like a really good sister who's trying to do right by my sister and now mm -hmm. I've sort of fallen in love with the kid so here I am a mom aunt involuntarily I'm a mom aunt that's awesome that's that great. is such a cool story so so will the kid call you an aunt or call you bummy aunt or the kid calls me Mimo which I'm Korean American and um emo is the word in Korean for aunt emo and so we just tacked an m at the beginning so I'm it's literally mom aunt Mimo oh yeah that's really well cute. it's mott what it is is mott which is 
that uh, the hashtag that I've started trying to trend on my posts is I'm a mont. <laughs> I'm a mont. That's and awesome. So that's what the kid calls me in Korean. He calls me Mimo, which is literally mont. Wow. <laughs> so so what do your parents think about all this? Like well, my parents are old school Korean immigrants. And so we didn't even tell them that my sister was pregnant. We didn't tell them there was a baby coming for like until almost the third trimester. Wow. Yeah, because my sister had floated the idea conceptually to them and they freaked out. They were like, oh my God, no way. That's the worst idea. You're going to ruin your life and ruin the kid's life. And what about our reputation? And we're going to have to change churches. Like, (laughs) Like they were just like, no. So um, they were totally against it. And my sister was like, well, I'm doing it anyway. And so she did it. And then she got pregnant really fast. She got pregnant essentially on her second try. And um, then she was like, oh man, how do I tell mom and dad? And I was like, don't look at me. You got nine months to figure it out. I'm a a stand-up comedian. That was already hard enough for me. So this is all you, like your your journey with mom and dad. You already disappointed them. Exactly. (laughs) I disappointed them years ago and it's, you're on your own kid. So um, she told them and they did the scariest thing that they said the scariest thing, which is what you could ever hear from Korean American parents, which is nothing. <gasps> Literally said nothing. They just were silently speechless, which Korean American parents are never freaking speechless. Come on. So we were both <laughs> like, oh man, this is bad. If they're not saying anything, this is bad. So they were just like, uh, 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 okay, we'll talk to you later. Click. And my sister was like, oh shit. Whoa. I don't know if I can curse. Am I allowed to curse? Yes. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. shit. My sister was like, oh shit. Mom and dad's going to disown me. I'm, this is my end of my relationship. They're never going to speak to me again. And so they didn't, we didn't hear from them for like two days. And my sister was just on t- like tender hooks for two days and was like, oh my God, mom's never going to speak to me. This is it. And then they texted something really nice. Like my dad texted first, something like, hey, I'm really happy to be a grandfather. And then my mom eventually texted something really sweet. Like, you got to take care of your body now. You really got to eat well. And, you know, um, so they came around and now they're obsessed. You know, a lot of people say, have this, you know, experience, like if they're, you know, their daughter or son marries someone outside of the race or you know they come out as gay and they say they're gonna have a kid like the parents at first are like but then the kid comes and you know everything yeah Yeah. it's all water under the bridge like the parents fall in love with the kid so that's totally what's happened to us like they're obsessed with the baby and so now they facetime my sister two times a day every day wow every single day they live across the country they live in boston Oh. And we live here in LA. And so they FaceTime twice a day and they don't want to talk to us at all. They just want to talk to the baby. Oh my gosh. They just want, just put the baby on the phone. And so they like, and they're just, they're like, you know, the baby's just babbling and they're like, bah, bah. You know, my, my parents, my 70 year old parents are like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> it's so cute. It's really sweet. So when your sister got pregnant so easily, yeah, and there's her body's changing, and and she, I would say, is she she's not a young mom. I'm not saying no. she's geriatric, but I mean, how old was she? Can you say that, or would she kill me? Um, was she? she was forty. 
Right. So she, so she gets pregnant later in life. Yeah. And you know, our bodies, as we know, I'm rounding the corner of 50 and you know, things are changing that I never thought would change. Yeah. And I had my kids, you know, 15 and 13 years ago. Um, was it weird for you to see somebody's body change in front of you in such a like amazing way? Was it kind of weird to watch? I just, I mean, I knew obviously like we've all seen pregnant women. And so the, the, the getting bigger of the stomach was to be expected, but like her hair got thicker and more luscious and her skin looked great. I mean, she looked fantastic. Pregnancy really suited her. I mean, other than the falling asleep every three seconds um, and like not being able to remember shit. You know, she had baby brain and she had the whole thing. Like she couldn't remember Jack. She couldn't stay awake. She didn't have too much nausea or vomiting, but she was like just down for the count, like just asleep. And, um, but she looked fantastic. I was like, bitch, I need to get, like, you need to bottle that. And then you yeah. that in my hair, like her hair just got so thick and shiny and luscious. And she, like her face looked younger for some reason. So that part was all crazy and weird to me. Um, and uh, I'm happy for her because she is like not a young mom, but she looks like a young mom. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's, I, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends have had kids and stuff and, you know, it's, it's like, they feel unattractive. They feel gross. They feel fat. They feel whatever, like just brutalized, <laughs> you know, all the things that is natural for mothers to feel when you're like exhausted and, and making a baby or pushing a baby out or, or keeping a baby alive. Um, so she looks fantastic. She still looks great. Um, nine months later, but, um, wow. so I found that to be really interesting. I wasn't, I, I wasn't that familiar with that. Like she just looked great. She looked mm. younger. She looked younger and her skin was glowing and her hair was shiny. And I was like, damn, I need some of that. Meanwhile, I had just come out of the pandemic, like grinding the shit out of my teeth and like like needing like Xanax to go to sleep every night. And I'm like, I'm just feeling haggard. Complete opposites. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this troll, like, well, and it's interesting that she got pregnant so easily at 40. Um, Do you, so again, I know she's not here, but is she, you know, some of our, so on Facebook, we have a feed called midlife mood swing, and it's for people who are either perimenopausal, you know, have finished menopause or mm. postmenopause where, you know, everything's kind of gone back to normal in a weird yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Um, does she find that she's going into menopause at this point? Is she thinking of having another kid? Is she, she does want to have another kid. Um, And I think, yeah, she does want to have another kid, but because she is essentially the only breadwinner because she's a single mother, I mean, I, you know, paid half the mortgage and I pay, you know, a lot of stuff for the baby, but really the buck stops with her financially with the kid, the kids, kids. So that's, she says the biggest reason why she's not immediately having a kid right now is because she can't really, you know, she really needs to plan financially to have two kids. Um, but she does want to have another kid. And, wow. uh, and I, you know, I've heard that it's a myth, you know, the whole geriatric pregnancy thing is a myth that, you know, we've all been told like, oh, over 35, but I know tons of women who had had ba- babies in their forties, Yeah, tons yeah. of women and, you know, b- women who had their first kid at 40, their first kid at 42, their first kid at 44. Right. Yep. So I feel like, 
um, I watched the Adam Ruins Everything episode on on pregnancy, like age, uh, geriatric pregnancy, I think. I, I forget what the exact uh, topic was, but it was about women not being able to conceive. And he said, the, the, basically the study that was, that all of that is based on that 35 is the rate at which nobody can get pregnant after that is based on like a 200 year old French peasant women. <laughs> like it's like some ridiculous oh. group that's like completely antiquated and like not modern and just not based on modern science or modern statistics at all. Interesting. Okay. And it's just like, it was like, it was something really random, like French right. farmer women from like the 1800s that they couldn't get pregnant after 35. And so none of us can get pregnant at 35. And I was like, come on, well, update that. Stop freaking women out. And, and th that's who created, you know, the myth of menopause as well. They probably wrote the same book. Sue, let, I want to talk about now getting into women's self-care and healthcare and all that stuff. Um, Sue, Sue, Sue is almost, she's, you're not a doctor, but you know so much about this whole menopause thing. And um, Sue, I want you to kind of talk about, I, I think it's really interesting about the myths that in, in another show we taped, you know, every <laughs> doctors will have symptom after symptom of something. And then at the end, or you're going through menopause. So right. Sue, can we talk a little bit about, cause you're doing, actually Sue's doing work on this stuff about the importance of self-care and for women to know their bodies and not be afraid to speak out and all that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's super important. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on our Facebook page. Hal, I just want to let you know, we have a, a thousand women on our Facebook page, about nice. like 996 or something. Nice. But um, so the, these women, we just wanted to create a safe place. If that, I hate using that word, but you know what I mean? Um, for us to, to chat about this. And, and and what we see is, you know, we were just kind of poking fun at the feelings that we have and, you know, what, what the hell's this? Our parents never talked about this stuff to us. No one even knew what it was. Um, and as, as I'm going through this program at UCLA, we we're talking about self-care and it's, it's just so important to take the time to give back to yourself because we're always giving, like you're talking about giving to this baby. Mm -hmm but it's important for you also to, to take care of yourself. You know, I'm sure you're getting love and you're feeding your energy yeah. with the baby. You know, obviously it's a, it's yeah. a good energy and it's such a innocence, innocent time um, to be a part of that. It's just, it's such yeah. a good feeling, but it's also taking the time to appreciate that, but also taking the time and, you know, hundred oh, percent. And my sister and I talk about this all the time that, you know, I'm a better parent when I'm well rested. I'm mm -hmm. a better parent when I've eaten and slept and had mm -hmm. my coffee and like gotten all the things that I need personally to be like a whole human. That's when I have the energy to play with the baby and engage the baby and talk with the baby and sing with the baby. And like, even today this happened where I just told my sister, I'm like, I'm sorry, I need a nap. I'm sorry, I just need to go take a nap for 30 minutes because yeah. I was watching the baby and the baby was in the playpen and I was like on the couch, like comatose, like drool coming out of my mouth. I was like, I'm not a good um, babysitter right now. I'm not a good parent right. right now because I'm not I'm not engaging the baby. I'm not 
I'm playing with the baby. I'm literally like so tired that I'm falling asleep on the couch, uh, quote unquote, watching the baby. But right, I'm like, right. if I went to go take a nap for 30 minutes and come back out, I will be a better parent then. And my sister and I both completely get this. And my sister, God bless her, like she never abuses like she's like, I'm, I decided on this road, it, I understood on the outset how difficult this road was going to be. And I accepted that mm-hmm. I was completely hundred percent ready to be a real single parent, single mother by choice and to be a single mother. And so anything that you do is just gravy. So if you need to go, you know, take a work trip, no problem. If you need to take a nap in the middle of the day, no problem. If you're working early, working late, you want to sleep late, none of that is a problem. Any help that you're giving me is just gravy. And so we have a really good relationship in that way. But um, but, but she again, needs to take care of herself too, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, she's, she's, less, she's less good at it than I am. Yes. Um, well, mom's kind of fall into that like it's a weird thing but it's great that she has you yeah maybe she could take that half hour nap where normally I wish I had Helen when I I know where were you then (laughs) Helen where were you (laughs) you know where were you sorry Um, Mary that's okay um I I had an Annie Helen who was my favorite aunt she's passed now but um it's great to be an aunt Helen I think that's awesome it's it's great and so how is your uh, and we're going to get back to the self-care stuff, but how has your life changed? It sounds like you're taking time for yourself, but how has your work life changed? Cause you are, you know, you're one of the best comics that I know out there. Oh, you're an incredible you. performer. You, you know, you hustle like the best of us. Thank you. How has it changed for you? And honestly, Mary, I've taken a lot of, I've taken like a mini break from doing standup mm-hmm. um, because of the baby because of the pandemic and because I had breast cancer last mm-hmm. year. And um, I'm just wow. trying to be kinder to myself. I, the breast cancer was a big wake up call for me because I am young, you know, even my doctor and everyone was like, you're very young to have this, you know, to have breast cancer. Um, but my mom had breast cancer and she, thankfully she caught it at stage two. I caught mine at stage zero. And speaking of of self-care, the reason why I caught it is because I felt something unusual in my armpit. And my sister said, I mentioned it to my sister. I was like, I feel this weird lump in my armpit that I've never felt before. And I didn't think anything of it because I thought, you know, breast lumps are in the breast. Right. My sister's like, you need to get that checked out today. Like you need to go ASAP. And I was like, you think so? And she's like, yeah. Anytime they say anything changes in your body, you need to go get it checked out. And thank God I listened to her. I was like, all right. So I went, I got a mammogram. I, they were like, yeah, something looks a little unusual. I've had a follow-up ultrasound and boom, it was breast cancer. And I was like, what? Here's the crazy thing about that. It wasn't the lump that I felt. The lump that I felt was an inflamed lymph node from getting the vaccine. The vaccine inflamed my lymph node. And they actually tell you that getting the COVID vaccine will may impact your mammogram because it will inflame some of your lymph nodes. And so that hard marble thing that I found in my armpit ended up being an inflamed lymph node that went away in two weeks. But because I felt it and got it checked out, it turns out it was the opposite breast 
where I felt absolutely nothing. Right. Wow. They were like, we found a tiny tumor. If you're at stage zero, it's the size of your pinky nail. But it is so fortunate that we found it because you would not have felt a lump for possibly years. You wouldn't oh have felt God. the lump because it wasn't in the skin. It wasn't on the skin. It was like deep in the mass, like it's deep inside the breast. So like you wouldn't have noticed for months, maybe years, and you would not have been at stage zero then. So I was, well, no, I was very lazy about them. It was very slackadaisical. Yeah, no, this is another thing that we, yeah, so we need to be like, I, it's, it's changed my whole outlook. Like I was super lazy about getting the mammograms. I was like, whatever, you know, I don't want to do it. I'm healthy. And uh, even though my mother had had breast cancer, so I potentially have the gene, right? So I was like, whatever, whatever. So I'd like postpone and I wasn't doing it. I wasn't on top of it. And, but thankfully I felt this thing and I went in and I, and I mean, the getting the breast cancer has really been a wake up call for me as far as like, talk about self care, like, you know, I, I'm in my early 40s, like, I don't want to die. I, you know, I have so much more to do. I haven't made my millions yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't gotten my sitcom yet. I haven't done all the things that I want to do, you know, and right. now I have a nine month old baby. So I, it just completely changed my outlook on self-care. Like I, before the breast cancer, I ate whatever I ate, junk food, whatever. And now it's like, I'm eating so much cleaner. I'm concerned about what I'm eating. I'm concerned about getting a walk every day, vitamin D every day. I'm, you know, I'm definitely on top of getting the mammograms now. I'm like, just like shouting to the rooftops to everyone who will listen, like anything changes in your body, go get it checked out, get it checked out because it's, you don't, you know, I was so lucky to find my cancer at stage zero. I know tons of women who aren't as lucky. I know women that have died. And so you don't want to be that. Like it's, it's, it's getting the checked out is annoying and it's scary. Believe me, it's less annoying and scary than having full-blown cancer. Right. So when you got the diagnosis, were you, you know, We've talked to people where, you know, it's an utter shock. They go into depression. You know, I feel like you're such a, like a mover and a shaker. Yes. Yes. So, That's so- exactly how I approached it, Mary. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Well, like, honestly, I was so busy at the time because I was working on a TV project. Um, and I was, had, a, when I got the diagnosis, the baby was like five months old. Yeah, the baby was like four or five months old, like young. And so I had a a newborn infant in the house that I was taking care of. I was working on this big TV project that I was trying to sell. I was so busy that the breast cancer was just like, all right, just add it to the list. Just add it to the list. And even like, this is how Hollywood I was. I literally said to my oncologist, I'm like, listen, I have a lot going on. Is there any way that we could schedule the surgery for around Christmas time, like just before Christmas so that, you know, I, I, I won't have a lot of auditions that I won't have like the project will be. And, and my oncologist looked at me and went, no, you crazy bitch. <laughs> she literally looked at me, she paused and she literally went, you have active cancer you psychopath. You, right. we're, talking, we're talking about trying to get you in surgery, like in the next two weeks. Yeah. Dumb bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Of course. Of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. But that was, that's how much of a hustler I was that I was like, do you guys think you could schedule my cancer surgery? Like just before Christmas. So I don't really miss <laughs> anything work-wise. 
Yeah, when everything everything in Hollywood shuts down December 15th. So exactly. if you could pencil me in. That's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, if I could have it like, you know, mid-December, that would be perfect. Because then I'll have tons of time to just be out of commission. And they're like, no, you have active cancer. When wow. she said active cancer, that's what really hit me. It sounds like, yeah, that was a good word for her to use. Yeah, to, it was To perfect. light the fire. Yeah. yeah, because it wasn't like you have a hint of cancer or you have possible cancer. You have active cancer that we need to get out of your body like today. And so I was did like, they oh do my radiation God. or anything? Or no, I was so grabbed it all. Yeah. They just grabbed it all. They took out all my breast tissue. That was a choice that I made. You know, they they said we could, these are all your options. And I said, I know exactly what I want. I want the thing that Angelina Jolie had. Right. Humble brag. And I want, I'd like the Angelina Jolie, please. <laughs> I was like, take all these puppies out, you know, and I, you know, I, I know a lot of women have, uh, you know, every woman has a different relationship with her breasts. I didn't really, I was never in love with my breasts. My breasts were never like my pride and joy. I was never like my tits, the best part about me. You know right. what I mean? Like I was never that person. So I was like, Hey, these puppies turned on me. They're fucking evicted. Get yeah. these bitches out. You know, if they're going to turn on me out, out, out. So I said, I want to Full double mastectomy. And then if you could put in fakies, please do. If you could save my nipples, please do. And I was so fortunate. The, the cancer was so deep in the tissue that they were able to save all my skin. They were able to save my nipples. They took out all the breast tissue and even some lymph nodes going into my armpits. So actually, even to this day, I have like very little feeling in my armpits, which is kind of weird because I don't have any like lymph nodes there. But, oh, um, wow. but I got fake boobies and unfortunately they're the exact same size as my former boobies, <laughs> whatever. They didn't give me a choice. I couldn't up the size or anything, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a blessing, you know, it was a blessing. And I had my surgery and like, I was like healed up in two months. I feel really good. I feel healthy. I feel like I'm getting healing every day. Like I'm getting feeling back in some of the parts of my, like my, it's mostly like my armpit and below my armpit that I had like zero feeling whatsoever. So a little bit of that is coming back and I still have these very pronounced scars that they're like, just put the scar cream on every day and hopefully in over a number of years, it'll lighten up. Um, but I'm alive wow. and I'm well, yeah. you know, that's the bottom line. I'm alive and I'm here. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. wow. D did you, um, you know, I posted this thing on the, on the site that, you know, we need to have a group of women that we sort of are our tribe, so to speak. Mm. Did you have a group of women that you connected with over this at all? I, um, my sister obviously was so wonderful and she was like, what, you know, she like left the baby with this, like, you know, she got the nanny to come like early and late so that she could come to the hospital with me during my surgery and take care of me. And, wow. you know, we're really, really, really close. So she, I felt, and I felt so bad because, you know, afterwards you're basically an invalid, you know, mm -hmm. I was an invalid for a month. Like I couldn't do anything for a month. I was like bedridden for two weeks. And so my poor sister is taking care of a literal infant and a metaphorical infant because I'm like, can you bring me more soup? I'm calling, hello, I need some more water. <laughs> She's like, I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> you know, going back to your question about the tribe, Mary, um, it's, it is 
you know, I love Brene Brown and what she talks about um, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not a vulnerable person generally. I'm a badass bitch. I'm a stand-up comedian. I start up, I started stand-up in New York City. Yeah, you know, too. I've been yeah. called like racist slurs on stage. I've been like attacked on stage. You know what I mean? Like I'm a boss ass bitch, like a hard bitch who can handle anything. And so it's just not in my nature to, to open up to my girlfriends in that way and be really vulnerable. Like I'm usually the strong one or the snarky one or the sassy one, you know, but uh, when you've got breast cancer, you have no other choice. Like you can't boss your way out of breast cancer. You can't boss your way out of major surgery, like you're bedridden. And so it was an opportunity for me to kind of be, show my vulnerable side to my friends and say, hey, I could really use some help. Or like, you know, my sister's really like over her head with the baby. Like, do you mind coming over and helping? Or do you mind like picking up groceries? Or, and people will step up in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're really open and honest and vulnerable with people, like people step up to help. So like our neighbors stepped up, like my next door neighbor is this awesome, like 65 year old sassy black woman, like loud, you know, and she's like, well, where y'all been? I haven't seen you. And I'm like, <laughs> I had to be like, Rhonda, I have breast cancer. And she started crying and hugged me. She hugged me so tight. I thought my stitches were going to pop. I was like, Rhonda, I have new boobies. Like, can you <laughs> not, like lay off with the hugging. But like, that was so kind, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it nice. really, if you let people in, people will step up. I find that's my experience is, is if you show people your vulnerable side, people will um, react in kind. So. Wow. That's yeah. a fantastic message. That's yeah. great. And, yeah. and before, before we end today, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so glad to see you. I feel like, you know, we picked up exactly where we left off. Yeah. Helen. Um, is there something that you want to leave with women that, you know, we reach out to kind of sort of the key to taking care of yourself now? Is there a little piece of advice you want to give? hundred percent is listen to your body, listen to your body and know that you are the expert of your own body. You know, the, there's no doctor that's a better expert than you on your own body. There's no ex, there's nobody else out there that's an expert on your own body. And so, you know, I have a friend who had breast cancer and felt something in her breast and went to the doctor. She was pregnant at the time and she went to the doctor and the doctor dismissed her and was like, oh, it's just your, your breasts are, you know, your duck, your milk ducts. It's just your milk ducts are getting pre- preparing to make milk for your baby. She's like, no, I really feel like this, like I'm feeling something. She was dismissed and dismissed and dismissed until she was like, no, I really like something is wrong and you need to check it out. And that's where they were like, oh, you have stage four breast cancer. We need to induce your baby early because you need to start chemo yesterday. Oh my God. And like, fuck that doctor. Right. And kudos to that friend of mine for being persistent and not just like taking the doctor's word, you know, it took right. her three t- tries to, you know, she did take the doctor's word for it and she kicks herself for doing that when she knew something was off. So, um, you just yeah. gotta like, you gotta you, be your best advocate. Yeah, exactly. You have to be your own hero. Nobody else is going to save you when it comes to health. 
and well-being, nobody else is going to save you. You have to be your best advocate. Exactly. And how's your friend today? Is she? She's killing it. Her baby is thriving. Thank God, like the baby, I think was eight months old when they induced, uh, you know, eight or nine months already. So it wasn't like that much of a problem. So right. the baby is thriving. She has been put through the ringer, my friend. She's had surgery, chemo, radiation, like the works. She lost all her hair. She couldn't pick her, you know, she couldn't breastfeed. She couldn't pick up her baby for months and months. So she's been through the ringer, but she is still here and she is still fighting. And like, what a warrior. What awesome. a warrior. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of friends, warriors, lovely ladies, uh, bitches who are killing it. Uh, mm -hmm. Helen, where can we uh, see see you on the socials if people want to see your amazing work you can find me on twitter and instagram at funny helen hong there's another helen hong she's not funny mm -mm. <laughs> no not she's funny. not funny at all no you need to follow the funny helen hong not the unfunny helen hong excellent yeah well i love you you're amazing thank you so much thank, thank you, mary. you for being here uh i'm mary kennedy and i'm sue merlino and you have been listening to Menopod.